God, would you do something that we can't even imagine in our midst? Hey, let's, let's pray, and um, if they get it, they get it. If they don't, they don't, and uh, we'll go from here. Father, uh, we are asking you to sovereignly move upon your church and move upon our nation and our world one more time. You said in your word that in those days you said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. You said that our sons and daughters will prophesy. The young men and young women will see visions and old men and old women will dream dreams. And so God, we are asking, will you do it for this generation? That we would not just know of your works, but that we would see your works ourselves and experience it. That our students, especially our kids, God, that they would experience you in ways that they never have before that would change their destinies. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. See, we should have started with prayer, and that would have been, that's how we should have done it. Hey, we are in the Gospel of John, and so I would invite you to turn in your Bibles, or if you have a device uh, that you're following along with the Bible, if you'd go to John chapter 14, we're going to give you plenty of time to find this. If you're watching at home, we'd love for you to to look this up yourselves. John chapter 14, and as you're turning to it, let me kind of paint the picture, because otherwise we're kind of starting right in the middle of a scene. So here's the picture. It is the night or the afternoon before Passover, and... And um, Passover is a time that every year, it was the greatest feast uh, for Israel. This was a time where they would remember how God had miraculously delivered their entire nation from Egyptian slavery. And this was a big deal, and it was a big deal that people who are Jewish would come from all over the then known world to Jerusalem. The streets would be packed. I mean, the population of Jerusalem would increase by hundreds of thousands during Passover, and people would just be everywhere. In this particular Passover, um, there's rumors just circulating that Messiah is here. Now, if you don't know that term, Messiah is a term that the ancient prophets had used for hundreds of years, looking forward to one, Isaiah called him the anointed one, one who would come and who would deliver the nation of Israel again, just like Moses delivered Israel from Egyptian captivity, one who would come and deliver them and rescue them and, and cause Israel to flourish once again. And so, in their minds, man, it is, it's about to happen. It's about to go down. And people, the expectation in the air, is, it, it just fills the air. And it's in this moment that a group of 12 men are reclining around a table in an upstairs room, and they know something that nobody else knows. They know that Messiah is here, and the Messiah is in the room with them. And they're excited, I mean, these guys, and just to, just to give you the context, I mean, just a few days earlier, they'd been on their way from Galilee to Jerusalem, and this is how stoked they are. Like, they literally got in an argument over who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom that Jesus was about to bring. I mean, for them, it was very clear Jesus was going to kick some Roman butt. The Roman Empire had occupied Judea, and, and Jesus was going to just, he was going to show them who's boss. He was going to establish a throne right in the center of Jerusalem, and they were just trying to figure out the seating assignments of the little thrones that would be around his throne. Right, I mean, they were ready. They're, they've got the, their glasses of wine around them. They're ready to toast the good things that are about to go down. And then Jesus does something so unexpected. In the beginning of chapter 13, Jesus takes off his outer robe and ties a towel around him and begins to stoop down and bend and wash each of the disciples' feet one by one, scrubbing the grime from in between their toes. And, and finally when he's done, and, and they don't like this at all, they don't like the fact that their king is acting like a servant. And Jesus sits down and he says, guys, my kingdom's gonna be different. In my kingdom, we're gonna serve. 
In my kingdom, we're gonna be marked by humility and by compassion and by love. (laughs) They didn't like it when he would start talking this way. It didn't fit the paradigm, the perspective that they had of Messiah. Well, things get worse. Jesus just starts kind of laying it out and he says, listen, one of y'all is actually going to betray that you even uh, betray me into the hands of my enemies. And then he looks at Peter and he says, and you, Peter, you're actually before sunrise tomorrow, you're going to deny that you even know me. In fact, you're going to do this three times, Peter. And by this time, the disciples, they're just, I mean, they're so frustrated and they're so angry. And maybe some of them are wondering, man, what have we given the last three years of our lives to? I mean, think about it. They had left occupations. They had left futures. They had left relationships to follow Jesus. Here Jesus is three years into this, like painting this picture, and they're like, no, this is not what we thought this was going to be. We didn't think that following Jesus was going to look like this. Like we thought that if we did A, B, and C, that Jesus would do X, Y, and Z, and he's not, he's not doing what we thought he was going to do. And they're frustrated, and they're apprehensive, and they're anxious. And it's in this environment that we pick up in John chapter 14 with these words in verse 1. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And why does he say this? Because their hearts are deeply afraid. They don't like the tone that Jesus is using. They don't like the way that Jesus is painting the picture of his kingdom. And so when Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled, they are wigging out on the inside. Have you ever been there? Jesus speaks into our lives and he says, you know, you trust in God. You trust in the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He goes, I need you in the same way that you trust in God. I need you to trust in me. And then he begins to paint a picture of what he's about to do. And this is so deeply confusing to them. He says in verse two, he says, there's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. So Jesus says, guys, you don't have to be afraid. I'm I'm gonna leave and it's not gonna make any sense and you're not gonna understand it. But what you gotta understand is I am actually in that moment preparing a place for you. You're not gonna see it. You're not gonna understand it. You're gonna be filled with fear, but you've gotta know that I'm doing something in the midst of the uncertainty. I'm preparing a place for you. I'm thinking about you. I actually have your best interests in mind in what I'm doing and in my activity. And you've got to trust in me. He goes on and he says, in verse four, he says, and you know the way to where I'm going. This is such a loaded statement. You guys know the way to where I'm going. And, and, And the uncertainty is so palpable that Thomas says something here. He says, no, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? If you've grown up in church circles, you know that we love to beat up on Thomas. In fact, we have a nickname for Thomas. Anybody remember the nickname? Doubting Thomas, right? Like, but here's the thing about Thomas. I love Thomas. Thomas just asks the questions that everybody else is wanting to ask, but they're too afraid to ask, right? So Thomas hears Jesus and this, you know, all this eloquent um, verbiage he's using. And Thomas goes, Thomas says, okay, uh, we don't have a clue of what you're talking about, Jesus. You're talking about where you're going. You're talking about preparing. We, We don't understand any of this. Like, we don't know the way to get to where you are saying. You have no idea. Some of you in this room, you have no idea 
how to get to where Jesus is wanting to take you. You have no idea how to be the person that Jesus is asking you to be. And you wonder, man, Jesus, can you just simply show me the way? Can you make it clear? Like there's so much uncertainty in my heart. There's so much fear. There's so much apprehension in my heart. Jesus, would you just show us the way? We live in a moment where we're just grappling for an answer, right? Just show us the way. And Jesus speaks right into what Thomas has to say and maybe right into the questions that you have and the uncertainty in your own mind because Jesus says something that if we could get this deep down inside of us, it would change everything. Jesus says in verse six, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Such powerful statements. Just think of those three individual statements. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Let's try to tackle these each individually. The first thing, Jesus is showing them the way to go. Thomas says, show me the way to go. And he first of all shows them the way to go. He says, I am the way. He shows them the way to go. And, and I think about, you know, on the top of my uh, smartphone, I don't know if it's at the top of yours, but, but we have these little, like, little icons, you know, at the top of our phone. And, 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 and I, these points that, that, that Jesus makes, I think they really go along with some of the icons on the top of our phone. You know, the first one is this location services, or, or maybe, you, maybe you just think of it simply as your GPS. You know, your phone is great until your GPS stops working. About a year and a half ago, Carrie's, Carrie had an iPhone, and her GPS just gave up the ghost. And you know what? We live in a, a time where, man, if we don't have the GPS on our phones, we're like, oh, I don't know what to do, right? Like, it's hard to imagine for all the, all the middle school students, high school students in this room, college students even in this room. Like, it's hard to imagine, but there was a day where we could actually get from point A to point B without a phone. That, I know. Like, a hundred years ago, when I was going into college... My, I, I went to high school in Edison. My parents lived in Milan, and I picked a college in Lakeland, Florida. And I, so, so when I was going to college, I would just drive a straight shot. And I had in my Ford Tempo, uh, I had a, there was a marvelous technology called MapQuest. Anybody remember MapQuest? So MapQuest, this was so old school, right? So you'd go to MapQuest, and you'd put in your starting location and your ending location, and it would spit out, I mean, pages of, like, turn-by-turn directions, right? And sometimes, I mean, if you were going, depending on your location, I mean, you would have, and I would, I would get out a permanent marker and write the page numbers on each one, because if they got all out of sorts, you were in deep duty, right? And so you'd, you'd tack those things on your dashboard, and you'd be driving, you know, look at, you know, we've been distracted drivers for a long time, let me tell you. So you'd be looking over, and it was great until you hit, like, a road that was flooded or until you hit, like, a major accident. And then you're sitting there going, I don't know what I'm going to do, right? And if you were prepared, if you were a Boy Scout, you know, and you were prepared in the back, and I always had this in the back seat, you would have an atlas, right? And you you would pull over. And you look up at the stars in the sky and you take, okay, I think, I think, uh, where was the last road that I crossed? And you'd figure out where you were and you would figure out, right? And so when Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way. Like we think he's using like hyper spiritual language, but the Greek word that Jesus uses for the way is really just an ordinary like road or street or highway. Like literally this was the Greek word used to describe the pathway to get from one village to the next village. 
And Jesus saying, are you lost? Like, do you not, is, is the way just foggy? I want you to know I can show you how to get where you need to go. Like, I will. Personally, I will. And I think in this room, you know, I look across this room and, I mean, filled with good-looking people and probably people who are watching right now, you know, you're watching right now because, you know, you haven't done your makeup or you haven't done your hair, so, but we just speak in the name of Jesus that you are good-looking as well. <laughs> I'm sure the comment section right now is going to light up. I just, maybe you're in a position where you're, you're needing to make a critical decision. You know, I'm, I'm not talking about like where you're going to go out to eat after, after church, but like a decision that impacts like your, not just yourself, but your relationships for, for the next couple of weeks or months or years. And you say, I don't know what to do. And Jesus says, I'm right here. Like I'm the way. You know, the, the action word for the way to go, that Jesus is the way to go, that's not Jesus, but the action word for the way to go is the word obey. And <laughs> it's all right, we'll wait. <laughs> it's, it's, no, we love you. <laughs> There's no shame. It will happen to me before the service is over, probably. Uh, and mine's sitting right here, so it'd be doubly embarrassing. G, the, the action word is obey. Like, here's the thing if Jesus is the way, how do you need to obey? Because it, when, Jesus, when Jesus says, I am the way, he's saying, there, there's not any, he says, no man can come to the Father except through me. Like, I am the way. Listen, if you want to get to Fremont, California, if you want to get to Fremont, California, there's one way to get there. You can decide that I'm going to drive south, but that's not going to take you to Fremont, California. You can decide I'm going to drive east. That's not going to take you. You've got to go the one pathway to get you to Fremont, California. You can say, well, I'm open-minded. I'm not narrow-minded like you fools, but there's still one way to get there. And you can drive west, but even if you just drive straight west, it's still not going to get you to Fremont, California. You're going to have to follow the road. Here's the deal. Jesus, Jesus says, I am the way. You've got to obey me. You've got to obey me. Here's my question. Where are you stuck in your disobedience? So many followers of Jesus, you say, man, I just don't know. You know, I've been trying to do this Christianity thing. It's just not working for me. I don't sense God's presence. I, don't, I just don't get all this, and I don't know. And, and usually, usually I look them in the eyes and I say, where is the point that you have stopped obeying God? And somebody in this room, you're stuck. Like, you know what you're supposed to do, and you've just decided I'm not going to do it. And so now you're disillusioned, and now you're stuck. And Jesus is saying, hello, I'm the way to go. But you've got to obey me. Anybody in this room? Got really quiet when I got to that point. You're like, I don't know about that preacher. He says, I am the way. The second thing he says is, I am the truth. And what he's showing us is the truth to know. The truth to know. I look, I look at uh, my phone, and, and you know, there's a signal strength at the top. I mean, there's nothing worse than a, a smartphone when you don't have any signal. You know, you don't have access to Wi-Fi. You don't have, you know, you're, you're dropped out. There's no coverage. And you're like, I've got all these great apps. I've got all these things I would like to do. I can't do anything on this thing. It's worthless. It's like a brick, right? We, we need to be connected to Jesus and to his truth. You see, Jesus has truth. He, he doesn't use the word veritas here in John chapter 14, verse 6. Instead, he uses the word aletheia. And this Greek word aletheia means what really happened, facts that correspond to a reality. It has the meaning of non-concealment. And we live in a world where, where we all have our truth, right? A couple weeks ago, Carrie and I were watching the interview between um, uh, Oprah and uh, Harry and Meghan. 
Any, anybody see any of this? I talk about Harry like he's my friend. I guess I'm supposed to call him Prince Harry or I don't know, his royalty. And, uh, and in the midst of this conversation, several times, it didn't just happen once, several times, um, Oprah uh, uses this phrase that is like uh, scratching a chalkboard to me. She uses this phrase, your truth. So tell me about your truth. And I just want to scream. Like, I, you know, Oprah's a great person. I'd love to have her over sometime. But I want to scream like, no, you're, you're putting synonymous your opinion or your experience and now making that synonymous with truth. And can I tell you, your opinion and your experience is not synonymous with truth. We can't trust our experiences. We can't trust our opinions. Several years ago, they did a massive study. It started with a couple of sociologists that back in the 80s did this experiment. They did it when the Challenger exploded, which um, some of you are like, what is that? That's how old the rest of us in this room are. And these sociologists did this experiment. At first, it was just a couple hundred students. It was one uh, university where they did this just with several hundred students. But they said, we want you, the day that the Challenger exploded, they said, we want you to describe in detail where you were and what you were doing when the Challenger exploded. And they followed up on, the, they collected these all, and they followed up on them three years later, five years later, and 10 years later. And what they found was, three years later, they would ask them the same questions. Five years later, they asked them the same question. 10 years later, they asked them the same question. And their memories had changed. So when 9-11 happened, there were several of these university uh, professors who now, through several different universities, decided, hey, this is a horrible situation but what a perfect opportunity to do this experiment again. And this time, they had thousands of students throughout several different universities participate. And again, they said, in detail, we want you to write down where were you, what was happening, all the details of 9-11. 10 years later, when they would ask these, stu these students now who are you know, professionals, and, and they would ask them to do the same thing, their memories deviated drastically from what they had written down to the point where the students would say, you're lying to me. Like, I know that what I remember is true. And they would show them, they'd say, this is your handwriting, right? This can't, someone else made me, say, like, I don't, I don't know where that came from. Like, that is not true. Here's what I want you to know. Your experiences and your opinions are not truth. There is one truth that you can hold on to. And you won't find it on a news network and you won't find it in a politician or in a political platform. God's word is truth. And Jesus says in a, in a world where truth is relative and we even speak of it as my truth or your truth. Jesus says, no, there's not my truth, there's not your truth, there is truth. And Jesus is the truth. And you can lean upon him. In fact, the action word for this point is cling. Like I think of when my kids were little and when things would get confusing or situations would get confusing and my kids were with me, you know what they would do? They would latch onto my leg for dear life. They would hold on. You ever see this? Like with kids? I see this with the Pippins kids, you know, when I come, they're like, stranger danger. And they're like, daddy, save me from that weirdo, you know, like... Here's what some of you, some of you are in a situation. For you, it's not the, for you, you know, it's not the way and that you need to obey. For you, you need to cling to Jesus. And the question is, what are you clinging to? Some of you need to let go of what you've been clinging to because it's not reliable. And it's not leading you to the truth. The third thing that Jesus says, he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth. He says, I am the life. He shows us the life to live. He shows us the life to live. Jesus says, I am, and he uses, he uses the, the Greek word here is zoe. This, this life that he's talking about is abundant life. 
abundant life. Throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus will go up to people, some people that he had never met before, and in the midst of a conversation, he'd say, I want to give you life. Isn't that a weird thing? Like if me and Mike Ross are in a conversation, in the middle of a conversation, I'd just say, hey, Mike, um, I want to give you life. And Mike would probably look at me like, you are some kind of weirdo today. Like, right? Like, I'm pretty sure I'm alive. I'm pretty sure, yeah, pretty sure I'm alive. Like, what, what is it? This word is abundant life. Like Jesus saying, you know, sometimes you can be living, but you're not really alive. Sometimes we're just kind of going through life and, and we're, we're just like, we're here, but we're not really here. We're like shadows of ourselves. And Jesus looks, some of you are walking through a situation right now and, and you feel that way. And Jesus would look at you and he would say, I am abundant life. I am the life to live. You know, the action word for this point is the word um, walk. Because you can know this, but it's something else to walk in this. Like some of you, like you, you know Jesus is the life, but you are not walking in his life. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, when you just wake up in the morning and like the first thing in your mind is, Jesus, you are my life. You're my life. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Holy Spirit, lead me today. Animate me today. Control me today, Holy Spirit. He will. I'm not talking just something that happens for an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. I'm talking about tomorrow when you go to Crown, tomorrow when you go to Heinz, tomorrow when you walk into Krogan Colonial Bank, tomorrow when you walk into Prometica Memorial Hospital, like tomorrow, whatever, whatever you do, whatever activity is, tomorrow when you go home after working all day, or tomorrow when you go into McPherson Middle School, or whatever it is, wherever you're going, like, like that you can walk in the abundant life of Jesus. And the difference that that would make, I mean, imagine if we got this. Imagine the difference that it would make. To me, you know, the icon on my phone is the battery. This morning, Kate woke up, and the first thing she said to us, it wasn't like good morning, it was, I forgot to plug in my phone, and now my phone is dead. (laughs) But you know what? (laughs) She's wanting to correct everything I'm saying right now. (laughs) I make fun of her, but I've done the same thing. I mean, you have a phone, and you, don't, you didn't plug it in. You didn't charge it. Like, you're like, oh. How many of us are connected to Christ? I mean, not just again on a Sunday morning, but throughout the week where we, we are walking in him. We're living in him. Jesus looks at the uncertainty around him. He looks at these disciples who don't know which way is up and which way is down. And he says, guys, you don't have to be afraid. In fact, I'm... This is an imperative in the Greek, and it's not a suggestion. He says, trust in me, cling to me, hold on to me, walk with me. I am the way, the truth, and life. I'm preparing something in the midst of what you're walking through, in the midst of your uncertainty. I'm doing something that you don't even see that I'm doing, but I'm doing it because I love you. I'm preparing a place for you. I'm getting it all ready. Will you cling to me? Will you trust in me? Will you obey? Will you cling? Will you walk? He says at the end, he says, um, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We were talking about the claim Jesus says, I am the gate or I am the door. We talked a lot about this. So if you, if you want to know more, I would go back to this from three weeks ago. But, but basically, Jesus is saying, you know what? There are some things in life 
that there's just one way to get there. There's just one way to do it. You know, there's all kinds of things in our lives that, that have exclusivity to them. If you want to call me later on today and you want to talk to me, you call 419-307-6787. You can't just decide, you know what? I don't want to use those numbers. That's so narrow-minded. That's so bigoted. I don't like the number seven. So instead of using the seven, every time I see the word seven, number seven, I'm just going to insert a five. I promise you, you're going to call somebody. Ain't going to be me. Right? Like there's some things in life that you want to get to Fremont, California? You can try driving east. It's not going to work out for you. There's one way to get there. It sounds narrow-minded. It's in our culture where we're just like, and we talked about this three weeks ago, but I love what R.C. Sproul, he's a great theologian, written so many books. He says this, and man, I read this this week and it just spoke to me. He said, in light of mankind's universal rebellion against God, that's you and that's me, we've rebelled against God. He says, the issue is not why is there only one way, but why is there any way at all? This path, this route, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one can get to the Father except through me. What did that cost Jesus? It cost him his life. He would be publicly lifted into the air, his arms stretched out and nailed to a cross, his feet nailed to a cross. He would be publicly humiliated, where he would gasp for breath for three hours, torturously, Concerned in that moment, not for himself, but for his mother and for his disciples and even for a thief on the other side of him. And you know what? In the midst of it, he was concerned for you. He loved you. You know, all of these things are counterintuitive. He says, he says I am the way, and the way takes him to be arrested. He says, I am the truth, and a few hours later, he's convicted of blasphemy. He says, I am the life, And hours later, he would be dead. It doesn't make any sense in the natural. But he is. And he's the only way. And so I want you in this moment, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, I want you in this moment, just ask the Holy Spirit, what what part of this do I need need to apply? Is there an area of disobedience that I've just been doing my own thing? And if Jesus really is the way, you need to obey. Maybe for you, it's an area where you've been clinging to other sources of truth. And Jesus says, cling to me. Listen, you can ask questions. We welcome questions. Christianity is not a faith where you need to check your brain at the door. For the last four months in our middle school and high school ministry, we've been asking our students, just ask us your questions about God and the Bible and Christianity. And we've been trying our best to answer those questions. I'm not saying you don't have questions. I'm just saying in the midst of it, at some point you just decide, I'm gonna cling to the truth of Jesus. Where where in your life do you need to cling to him? Where in your life do you need to finally just decide, I'm gonna start walking in his life? Start walking in his abundant life. Do you got that? So what is your application? What is your so what from this sermon today? If you're not a follower of Jesus, today would be a perfect day for you to just embrace Jesus as your master, as your Lord. You say, how do I do that? You just pray your own prayer where you just say, Jesus, I've sinned against you. I humble myself. I recognize, Jesus, that you died on the cross to take my punishment, so I give you my life. Forgive me, lead me, be the master of my life. Somebody in this room, you you need to, that's that's your next step. That's your starting point. 
Someone watching online, maybe that's your starting point today. So I'm gonna ask all over this room if you would close your eyes and bow your heads. If you're watching online, I'd ask whatever, whatever. if you're in the middle of ironing <laughs> right now, just put the iron down for a second. Whatever you're doing right now, would you, just, would you just cease that for a moment? If you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe, maybe you have been, but you just would say, you know what? Jesus has not been sitting in the throne of my life. I've been allowing all kinds of other things to have that place of prominence. I need Jesus to be first in my life, to be priority. I need his forgiveness. I need him to be the leader of my life. If that's you, we're not gonna embarrass you. We're not gonna call you to the front. But I would love, it'd be a privilege to be able to pray with you this morning. So if that's you with everyone's eyes closed and heads bowed, we just raise your hand if you say, Ken, would you pray for me? I need Jesus. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness in my life. Would you raise your hand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I see you. You can put your hands down if you've raised them. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. If you're watching online, you can raise your hand by just texting us. You can text the word believe to 419-910-2799. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you. There was a number of hands that went up right here in this room. God, I pray for each person that is saying today, God, I give you my life. Forgive me. Be my master. Be my leader. Save me. Rescue me. God, I pray that you would do exactly that. That you would be glorified. That you would be exalted. God, I pray for the rest of us. Give us the courage that place where we have not been obeying, God, give us the courage, empower us to obey you. Those areas where we've been clinging to the wrong counterfeit truths, God, may we cling to you. Those areas in our life that have been dead and we're just shadows of ourselves, God, I pray that we would walk in your abundant life, yielding ourselves to the animation of your Holy Spirit, to the life and breath of your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, a couple things before Pastor Megan closes us uh, uh, out uh, this morning. Um, if you're in the room and you have a connection card, if you raise your hand, there was a number of you, at least five or six hands that went up. Um, I would encourage you in the bottom of your connection card, there's a place that says My Next Steps. If you're starting a relationship with Jesus, would you just check that box? Maybe for you, it's reaffirming. You're saying, hey, I've been a follower of Jesus, but I just felt led in that moment to raise my hand. You could check that box. If you're just wanting information. You're like, man, I'm almost there, but I just need someone to talk to. Man, write a note on the back or somehow let us know. We would love to talk to you more about that. Second, that's the first thing. If you're watching online, again, if you text the word believe to 419-910-2799, we'd love to have a conversation with you about what it means to follow Jesus. Um, and we'll just leave that number up on the screen for a moment. If, you, if you're in the house, we would love to pray for you. We have prayer partners. In fact, as Pastor Megan comes up, our prayer partners are going to come up and and listen, you would make their week if, if you came up and just said, hey, I raised my hand for that. But listen, our prayer partners aren't just for people who are starting a relationship with Jesus. If you, if you have a need in your life, you need healing in your body, you need, God, you need someone just to agree with you to pray for a situation, maybe with one of your kids or grandkids, our prayer partners would love to just pray with you and believe God uh, to, to work supernaturally in your life. 